this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to turn for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Heller. Uh, Coming at you, it's just two weeks remaining until opening day, believe it or not. It feels like time has flown by since, uh, you know, spring training started. And, you know, baseball's almost back and something else is back. And, And listen, it's been, you know, we've had a lot of guests these past couple months. Um, and, and, you know, thanks to everyone who's come on, but it is great to have my co-host Ty Daubert back on the Phillies Nation podcast. Ty, how are you doing? I'm good. Like you said, I think it's been, oh man, probably it's two, close to over two, two months. months. It was dot. Like, our last pod that we recorded together was the 14th or 15th of January. I, I look back. Yeah, it was, it's been a while. I think it might've been the 13th. So yeah, like you said. Over two months, but I'm happy to be back. Happy that baseball is almost back. Um, we'll see if, you know, hopefully I can hop on every single week. Maybe we'll have some guests thrown in there, but I'm back for now, at least for this episode. That's all that really matters. We have some good Philly stuff to talk about, and I'm excited to do it for the first time in about eight weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's, it hasn't been the same, so uh, let's let's get into it because, um, like you said, we have plenty to talk about. So before we talk, because obviously there's still some uncertainty about you know what the what the team is going to look like on opening day, specifically in center field. I think we have a good idea really everywhere else on the roster, maybe those last couple bullpen spots. But before we get into all that, uh, just an, an interesting, I guess, thought exercise because the Phillies signed. Aaron Nola, after his, you know, the best season of his career in 2018 to a, an extension through the 2023 season, through the end. So that makes him a free agent for the 2024 season. Had they not, Aaron Nola, this would be his, his last year under contract with the Phillies, uh, and he would be entering free agency after the season. So I, I guess, you know, the, the first question I have is, is what – kind of contract do you think that Aaron Nola would be looking at you know he's 28 um we don't know how he'll pitch this year but still one of the the best pitchers in in baseball uh still relatively young so so if you could if you could put a number on it what number would you put yeah I think it would be similar if he was hitting free agency this upcoming offseason around the age 28 29 I think he at least gets what Steven Strasburg did, uh, you know, two years ago now. Um, and he was around 31, 32. That was a, I believe that that took him through his age 38 season. Yeah, seven, seven, two forty-five. Uh, which, I mean, he was coming off a World Series MVP year, but also has been injured a lot throughout his career and, and older like yeah three older, years older than a significant Nola is yeah. now so I think I think he could a- approach that kind of number 245 something like that um Nola obviously signed that extension for much less than he probably would have gotten if he became a free agent um but you know you look at what the landscape was like in 
the at the end of 2018, beginning of that 2019 uh, season uh, in the spring training. I think that's when he signed it actually in spring training around when they got Real Muto and b- a little bit before they ended up getting Bryce Harper. And before Machado and Harper signed, uh, there were a lot of names out there that were either not getting what they expected or were just straight up not getting signed at all. And if you remember, a lot of big names signed extensions. Chris Sale, uh, I think Trout signed one around then or a little bit after. Um, Arenado. Yeah, Arenado, he, he signed one as well. A lot of big names ended up signing extensions because players looked at free agency and said, um, this is not working how it is supposed to be. Players were not getting, um, they were not getting their fair share. They were not getting fair contract offers in a lot of cases. And, um, you know, you saw it with Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell, who Kimbrell fell off a little bit, but Keuchel still in the last year even is a productive pitcher and he didn't even get signed until didn't midway he, through that didn't season. Didn't he get like three years? 50 million or Keiko the year after when he signed with the White Sox, didn't he get like a three year deal? Yes. Um, That season, he just wasn't getting the offers. It, it was, um, we all remember, we all remember Harper watch Machado watch. We remember how just how rough that off season was. So in the beginning, some players like Andrew McCutcheon got deals that maybe were higher than some people expected, but there were a lot of free agents out there that, that didn't get those numbers. And so players just to be safe, took extensions, Nola was one of them. His was a little bit less than maybe some other players. So that's why he did it. But if he was if he was a free agent this upcoming offseason, I do think he'd be in for some kind of mega deal. Uh, I don't think he would, you know, get what someone like Garrett Cole got that might be the best player on best pitcher on the planet. Uh, Aaron Nola is not quite that, but he is he is an ace level pitcher. He 2018, he one of the five or so best pitchers in baseball 2019 not so much and then last year he was he was really good as well but at his worst it, i'd say 2019 um was one of his worst seasons and he was still you know the best pitcher on the phillies for the most part so that i think over 200 million i think is probably a lock and maybe he even gets it in 2024 well, well, that's what I was going to say, too. He's he's going to be – so that's – he has three more, you know, guaranteed years of the Phillies. He'll be 30 entering in, in that free agency year. And I think maybe that's part of the, the decision-making. Yeah, I think he'll be – I think he'll be 31 by then, like with how le- – uh, Well, it's – his birthday's in June. So he'll be 30 entering that season and then turn 31. Got him. Um, but – I think maybe that's part of the decision making because, like, like you said, like that's kind of the age Strasburg was when he got his big deal, um, and and um, I don't know how much you factor in, you know, six seasons from when you signed the extension, but you know he's he's still going to be able to to get um, a, a significant amount of money in free agency uh, so long as he continues to pitch the way he has, and and who knows if he'll he'll take another step. Yeah, like if he um if he posts even you know the last year of his current deal or even the year before if he can replicate 2018 oh, yeah like that yeah. i think he could get to 50 he'll get yeah he'll get whole if he keeps pitching the way he has um like even if even if his next three seasons mirror his last three seasons i think he'll get not a million yeah i think i think there's a good shot he's a really good pitcher one of the best that the phillies have 
brought through their system Durable. in a long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's some questions. He has not ended uh, seasons in recent memory as great. Uh, uh, last year, you can kind of throw that out with the 60-game format. But 2018, 2019, kind of some some falling off in September. But overall, you you do know what you're going to get. And I I think I think that's really valuable. Starting pitching, um, p- pitchers that can can throw you a good amount of innings and with consistency, that's that's valuable. Somebody will pay for that, and he's gonna he's just Pete gonna have to Pete keep. McCann it might not. I mean, what's yeah, what's uh, what does a three uh, get on today's market? Are you giving some forty million? Listen, some threes are still getting paid. You saw, you saw what Drew Smiley got. You that, saw is Drew Smiley a three? Are we calling Drew Smiley a three? Last year he was a two last year, in the <laughs> in the six appearances he had or whatever it was. Come on, some oh I goodness. think if Drew Smiley is a three, then yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, you're, you're I, I I appreciate it. Um, last thing, uh, on Nola. Let's say he didn't sign the extension, decided to bet on himself and bet on you know free agency, kind of getting better. As it kind of, I mean, we've seen, I guess, not for, you know, maybe the middle tier players, but for the good players, you know, guys are still getting paid um, in free agency. So let's say Aaron Nola was entering, set to enter free agency next season. First of all, would the Phillies still have have um, made the signings they did this offseason, specifically um, giving JT Romuto the, the six-year deal? And I guess to, not not to near that extent the the real muto deal um and then the second question uh would an extension be in the works or or let's say sorry if they had done that would they still like how what percent chance would you give the phillies to resign no i i realize this is like all hypotheticals so it's kind of a pointless conversation but it is something interesting to think about because yeah, that would really alter the, the landscape of, of yeah definitely the I, think, I think other right now the two most valuable players on the phillies Right this second are JT Real Muto and Aaron Nola, I would say. Real um, Muto, maybe that doesn't age well going into, you know, the fourth, fifth uh, year of his of his new contract because just how catchers tend to age. But right this second, those are the two most valuable players on the team. And I don't th- think the Phillies could afford, especially the- Spencer Howard's coming up, but he's far from a lock at this point, some injury history, some shoulder problems and issues with, with building up some innings, you know, Aaron Nola in his, in college was throwing more innings than Spencer Howard really ever did as a pro. So he was just able to come up and throw a lot of innings right away and able to handle that workload. If you let Aaron Nola walk, you'd essentially be replacing him with Spencer Howard, who, like I said, has a lot of upside, but is far from a sure thing. And I, I just think Nola is too important to that pitching staff right now. That that pitching staff, I know some people have some questions, but Nola and Wheeler and Eflin is a really solid one, two, three, one of the better ones in in the league. And if you let the you let the top one walk away after the season, I think that your ceiling and and your floor of your team, just your overall outlook is going to drop off substantially. So even if it took them over the luxury tax with Dave Dombrowski as your president, I do think that he would, 
you know, he, he looked at the team when he came in this, this off season and said, um, you know, this team's too good. We have to spend some money and see if we can get it competitive. I don't think he could honestly look around the team and think that they could let Aaron Nola walk. I think that they would have probably like at least an 85% chance of bringing him back. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think maybe even they would consider giving him a massive extension um, right now or like that would have happened. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't know about 85% chance because I think a lot of teams, especially coming out of the, you know, a lot of a lot of teams cried poor this offseason. Not like they don't already in non-COVID times, but I think maybe some teams would be looking to to make a splash next offseason. Um, and, and we'll see actually how that plays out um because there will be obviously some big free agents but ty you're telling me that that yesterday's poor performance by aaron nola him getting shelled by the by the toronto blue jays in a spring training game doesn't change your outlook you'd still you'd still sign up to a 200 million dollar deal you're telling that one that it's not really you know maybe a little maybe it makes me a little skeptical but uh, no no i i think i think he'll be all right I think as we have seen many, many times that spring training performances, both good and bad, do not exactly mean a whole ton going forward. You as they say, both ways. as they say, spring training performances matter a lot. They, they actually, <laughs> they, they do say that. And you can, you can think of some, some performances. Uh, <laughs> Scott <coughs> Kingery. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and even other ones, you'd think of some stretches where Nick Pavetta, Vince Velasquez have looked very good. It doesn't always pan out. And then there's some, you know, some players get out to not so hot starts in spring training. And then by the time they're at the season, guess what? They're fine. I would not worry about a couple inning performance. You know, Nola got substituted for himself. Like it's not even a real game. He that was, just that was awesome. He's that was awesome. Like that was <laughs> so weird. Comes out of the game, pinch hits in the next inning and then pitches in that inning. Like, it's just, you know, I love, I love spring training baseball, but uh, moving on. Cause we have uh, some other stuff to talk about Ty. It's something that has been talked about on this podcast a little bit over the last couple months. Um, what is your overall take on the Phillies center field situation? Obviously it's continued to develop and evolve. Um, so who do you think will end up with, with that job? It's tough. It definitely is tough right now i think you know if adam hazley was not injured i think he would probably end up being the starting center fielder on opening day obviously he is injured and he will most likely not be back in time for opening day so they're going to have to look elsewhere roman quinn is an interesting player i think girardi likes obviously the speed uh that that he can provide it's you know, when put in the right situation, it is game changing, but he hasn't been healthy enough, consistent enough to really prove that he's his, an everyday his starter. His defense has, I, I think it might be getting worse. It, it might have gotten yeah, just, worse. His, it, his instincts kinda, are, are not good out there. And that yeah, just not taking matters. the best routes and, and getting the best jumps. You but, can be, you can you be know, as, sometimes, fast, as fast as you want, but sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes the speed can make up for it. I'm not going to, you know, just pick out a couple plays here in March and say that he can't play defense. It's, but, I mean, um, it's, it's not isolated to March. Did you watch correct. Last he year? did. 
I, I know. Do you think of the Orioles game? He did die for. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I mean, it's also not just him. like like the center field play last year was was pretty awful all around. Um, yeah, you're right. It we was talked about a weak point of the team for sure, other than uh, the obvious one, which which was the bullpen. But I, Roman Quinn, I think he's probably a more ideal bench player, and I I think that the Phillies will probably realize that if they haven't already. Mickey Moniak has looked looked strong this spring. He had that two homer game against the Yankees. He getting some hits, you know, doubles off the wall, this and that, just looking strong. But it's mostly been substituting at the end of games. He probably needs another year in in Triple A. That you know, the word bust has been used a lot regarding him, based on the play we've seen. Uh, some of the at-bats last season, even some of the play in double A in 2019. I think he's improved his stock overall a lot from where it was at his lowest point. But I don't think right now where he is, he's completely ready to be that every single day center fielder. And he'd probably benefit from being at the alternate site and then playing for the Iron Pigs for this season unless injuries really make them do it that kind of leaves at this point scott kingery and odubel herrera odubel herrera obviously he was arrested for a domestic violence incident in during the 2019 season he was he was suspended for the rest of that season last year he was not really with the team he was in minor league camp and then not with them uh, once summer camp came and the phillies have they've had him in spring training camp uh, i believe he's in what's called mini camp but still been playing with the actual team a lot a lot yeah he's been playing with them a lot and he's been playing well he he, he really has been playing well they they said you know he'll have to prove himself in the clubhouse and uh, that he's going to have to earn his spot but based on the play i think he's making a very solid case and you know, fans can obviously, they will they will have their concerns about bringing him into the team, and I don't think anyone could argue with that. But based on based on the play on the field, he's probably having the strongest spring. And another thing working against him, other than the obvious situation I just mentioned, is that they did they designated him for assignment at one point um, following his suspension. And no one claimed him, so he is no longer on the 40-man roster, which is something they're going to have to work with so much ahead yeah. of the season. They have they, they have Kinsler and, and uh, Watson are also not on the 40-man. If Real Muto isn't healthy, they got to add a catcher. Um, if Brad Miller's not healthy and Matt Joyce is going to make the team. Matt Joyce on... might make the team either way. Exactly, exactly, which – I did once say to Johnny and people, people doubted me. He's having a strong spring. And I, uh, I don't know if Johnny specifically doubted me. People I, doubted me when I said Matt Joyce has a good shot to make the team. No, I did. Anyway. I did. I, I thought, cause he like, he hit a home run in, in like one of the first games. People were saying how, how he had a good shot. And I was skeptical because of the 40 man stuff. Like they, they don't have a ton of guys that they can just cut. Um, yeah. Don't be surprised if you see trades coming up. That's like David Hale for cash considerations, Mauricio Yovera for cash considerations. Um, 
different kind of trades, two for one type of deals, just to open up space on the 40 man roster so they can add players like Kinsler, like Watson, like somebody else. Um, and Herrera could be one of them. But if they can't make that work and they don't think Herrera is the best option, Scott Kingery is probably the last guy. He's obviously on the 40 man. He has had his spot on the team for the last three seasons now. And he has not been playing well at all. He has not. He has not. But like we said, spring training stats, he's looked really bad in some spring training moments. You think back to 2018, he looked like he got himself a contract extension. He looked like the best player of all time in 2018. Looked like Dustin Pedroia with more talent talent. in the words of one baseball scout to ESPN's Buster Olney. Yeah. It doesn't always doesn't always mean anything with spring training. Like I just it sometimes said earlier. means nothing. But yeah, but with the current at bat, Scott Kingery, he does he doesn't look the best, but I think because he's on the 40 man, because they probably do not want to pay however much money to a triple A player, he's gonna I think he gets a shot at the opening day roster. And I think there's a decent chance he's your opening day center fielder because he's not going to play over Gene Segura. He's not going to play over Alec Bohm and he's not going to play over Didi Gregorius. That leaves center field, a place he's played a decent amount um, in the field. And I, I think that, I think that him and Herrera are about evenly split like their chances to be the opening day center fielder. There's a little bit more time in spring Based on the play in spring, which once again is does not always tell the whole story, but Odubel Herrera probably would be the better player out there. But due to many situations and circumstances, Scott Kingery also has a decent shot to to play there come opening day. You agree with that? I think that kind of covers all the bases. I think I touched on about every player on the roster. Um, I don't think you've gotten to everyone yet. Uh, if you want to keep going a little bit, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to add, add to that. Um, I, I do, it does feel like it's going to be Herrera or at least he'll be on the opening day roster. Um, I guess they wouldn't really, they probably wouldn't add him to the opening day roster and not just make him every day center fielder. But the only thing is, I guess they could be facing, uh, Max Freed, who's the left-hander. So maybe, Maybe Kingery gets a start that day if they're both on the roster. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Who really knows? Um, yeah. Two weeks. See, there's not. There's not. There's not a perfect answer in that in that spot. Yeah. I don't yeah. think. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. The <laughs> elsewhere in the league, uh, the Cleveland Indians are putting Ahmed Rosario in center field, which is awesome. He's played four innings of outfield in his professional baseball career. And he made three errors in the first three innings of, of the spring training game yesterday. So, you know, anyone who knows me knows I'm a big fan of bad outfield defense. I'm a fan of putting guys in the outfield who shouldn't be in the outfield. Um, so it's entertaining. <laughs> it's so entertaining. You know, an Cespedes in the World Series. Come on. Give it to me. Come on. He, don't. he was a better outfielder than people he, think. He, he, did you see the first play of the game? He was playing center field that's what i just said i said he shouldn't have been in center field Listen, oh man you know, we all anyone who covered the phillies talked about the phillies watched the phillies uh, i think they all remember reese the, hoskins they all remember the 2018 season and uh they remember that outfield play of reese hoskins like like you said 
it's just glorious to watch I mean, players yeah. try to adjust on the fly. It does not always work. It Listen, how many how many Phillies outfielders have made a triple play since I don't know. I, uh, Reese Hoskins, he's one. Reese of them. Hoskins has so you know. <laughs> don't ask me. Ask the numbers. Like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> anyway, that's right. Uh, so uh, before we wrap up, one more thing to touch on, and that is a former Philly signing with the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. That's right. Michael Franco is joining Freddie Galvis in Baltimore. Uh, so, you know, if you want to relive the, the glory days of, of 2015 through 2017, um, you can hop on down 95, go to Camden Yards and, and watch, you know, the left side of that, that Phillies infield play baseball. And, and Franco and, and, and Galvis, you know, you can debate how good they were as players. Uh, but it's pretty undeniable that they both had some pretty awesome moments with the team. And yeah. So Ty, what, what's your take on, on, you know, that tandem back? Yeah. I think, again? They, I think there's a good shot that the Orioles are really bad again. Um, if they planned on competing, they would probably have a better left side of their infield, but at the very least um, the, they're not, they're not the worst players you could ever sign to, your shortstop and third baseman and they seem to be good leaders good people in the clubhouse um so i think that could be good for a young team that's not exactly ready to compete um a lot of fun moments with those guys some walk-off home runs some pretty nice plays in the field you know galvis one of the better defensive shortstops that we've seen franco not exactly a good defender but definitely good for some web gems Outside of JT Real Muto, sorry, Real Muto, have we seen any Philly that's as good at playing their position as Freddie Galvis, like since he left? Since Galvis left? Since Galvis left. Probably not. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, that's part of that is because the Phillies have just had have not really had good defense and they haven't had players who are good defensively and and um some would argue that defense matters and and that is an issue and that <laughs> you need defense behind your pitching staff but another argument for another time but I, I, like 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 you said it, it was uh definitely special watching galvis play in the field uh at some point he made some awesome plays those guys are probably pumped up i i would imagine that they are happy to be playing oh, together again for sure yeah i, I agree um and it, it'll be fun to follow along, see how they do this season. Um, I was surprised because Franco got – he got like $3 million last year. Obviously, that was prorated down to one, but he, he only got 800 k from the Orioles. Um, I, well, I think it can become $1 million. Right. But, I mean, he – like he didn't play poorly last year, I guess is my point. Not that – I don't know. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, he just kind of is what he is. Yeah, just felt – well, who knows? Breakout? Eight hole. Put him in the eight hole. Put him in the eight hole. He'll walk a million times. He's bonds. Like, what do you what do you want? Exactly. What's your what's your when you think of those two, what what's the moment that comes to mind for each of them? Uh Galvis is the home run off Chapman. Um yep. Franco, it's both the both of the three run walk-offs. There was one in 2018, one in 2019. The, the, the one against the Marlins, Marlins was awesome. It looked like a pop-out. Like I, I was watching it this morning. It looked like he was popping out to left field kept going and you know yeah or the franco's um 
throw against the, the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah, that too. That was that was better than the Machado throw was, against the Yankees. That was, yeah, that was better than any play any Phillies third baseman has ever made, I would assume. I don't know. Yeah. Listen, one Phillies third baseman, he did predict about three seasons in a row that Michael <laughs> Franco could be uh, he could be an MVP in Major League Baseball. Yeah. It hasn't come true yet that that third baseman is um, the one and only Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt. Who, you know, he knows a little something about winning MVPs. Mm-hmm. And so Michael Franco has not become MVP yet, but maybe it happens at yeah. and at Camden Yards. That'd be, I mean, that would be Yards. awesome. But uh, either way, again, it'll, it'll be uh, exciting to watch. Um, Phillies fans, at least the ones on Twitter that I see, they do really, they do really like their former players. Yes, even if that teams, is true, even if the teams weren't so good, and that Phillies fans definitely have a lot of experience watching some not so good teams over the years, and they really do like their former players. So I think you're gonna, if you're on Phillies Twitter, you're gonna see some people tweeting about um, some old friends of the Phillies this this upcoming year. Who do you think? Who do you think is the most beloved from like the thirteenth, uh, like post? I would say the 2015 to 2017. I think it might be Galvis. I think it's Galvis, one of those I think, two. I, I think, think it's either Galvis or Franco. I, I I think Hernandez might be the best of those three, but we've talked about how he doesn't have any moments, and I, I don't know if, if if fans liked him as much. No, um, I don't think they disliked him. I think he was very, right. Like, no, no, very neutral. No, yeah. no opinion on him. Yeah. No, I think I think Galvis is the most beloved, probably. But I think there are a lot of people that feel like, man, if they would have just given Franco a yeah, chance. If they if they gave Franco a chance under a different manager, who knows what he'd be doing. You, you know? know, he did have about what three head of to them, the I head think. to the Phillies Nation Facebook comments and see. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, maybe maybe they could have made it work with them. Who knows? Uh he never really got the ground ball rate up enough to really um hit a lot of homers and extra base hits. But he hits the ball hard. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. So maybe if he can figure out the launch angle a little bit, yeah. I know not everybody is a huge fan of, of that word, but if he can get it, so he's hitting a lot of doubles and homers, yeah. who knows exactly. what could happen. I mean, didn't he lead the AL in doubles last year? Or he was leading I, it for a while. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. He had a good year last year. Who knows what happens this year? But Ty, before we sign off, do you have any last thoughts heading into just, you know, a couple last weeks? Yeah. Um. Last thoughts. I think you said you wanted to touch on McCutcheon a little bit. He's supposedly fully back healthy, uh, but doesn't just in the outfield eye test wise doesn't look quite as good as he did back in 2019 before he got injured. He's been who hitting. knows what the offense? Yeah. Who knows what the offense is going to look like? It has looked all right, but yeah. I think there is a decent chance that when Brad Miller's healthy, it's more of like a. It might be closer to a, a straight-up platoon than people probably realize. I think when he starts, he's probably the leadoff hitter, at least for the start of the season, but I don't know how many how do you How do you configure the lineup when, when Kutch is out? Because I, I do think, like, he, he's – I doubt he plays more than 120, 130 games, just, just based on, you know, last year they DH'd him a bunch and, and gave him off base. Yeah, so how it's, do, it's leadoff. How how do I do it or how do how do the how does how, do does, how do the Phillies do it? Because because we both know Hoskins, it's Hoskins. should be hitting yeah, leadoff, Hoskins but but who leadoff. who do you think Girardi? I Segura think there's a is, chance. I think it's going to be a combination of Segura and Harper. Hmm. Did Girardi hit Harper leadoff last year? 
No, they tried it. I don't think so. They tried it a couple times with with Kapler. Yeah, but I were there some times where did he ever hit Judge leadoff? I think that might have been a thing. I could be wrong. I mean, it might not have been him because he let he was gone in seventeen. I mean, it might have been him though. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I think he would. I think he would do it. Bryce is obviously a, a good on base guy. Yeah. I mean, I I think either Harper or or Hoskins make the most sense with your if you're just looking for on base and. Yep. But although Agreed. honestly, honestly, if you look back at uh, spring training last year, and that doesn't really matter at all. But like it was, it was real Muto, and 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 it was. I think real Muto was set to be the leadoff hitter heading into the season because because remember. McCutcheon was not healthy until May. Yeah. So maybe it's Toledo, which Maybe Bohm. Maybe Bohm. I don't think Riomito is fit to be yeah, a Yeah, I don't think so hitter. either. I don't think so either. I don't think he's exactly fit to be a cleanup hitter either, but it seems like that is the way that the Phillies might end up going. They did it a good part of last season. I think he's probably more fit to be in that five – six area but they definitely have a chance to mix things up throughout the season and like i said especially opening day if it's against max freed i think that mccutcheon is going to end up being the leadoff hitter obviously he's that that right-handed bat going against a lefty so I, i i think he'll do it to start the year but they're gonna have an opportunity to mix it up and change it up maybe maybe not the way that their former manager gabe kapler uh did it back when he was running the team, but I don't think it's going to be a set lineup every single day. Yeah, that's fun. I, I like, you know, mixing it up. It's always a good time. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast up. So thanks to everyone for listening. Ty, it was great to have you back. Um, Glad looking, to be back. Yeah. Looking forward to this season. Um, and, you know, we're going to have podcasts with beta. We've only been able to record like I don't know, eight episodes out of the 70 we've done have been in, in during baseball. So excited to get back into that. Um, yeah, stay tuned, everyone, for a new episode next week. And then the following week, baseball. Baseball.